0: Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. Fun. I have had such a great week. I have just come back from Quito, Ecuador, and it was so much fun. You are Ecuadorians? All right, let's go. Let's go. So I had the privilege of representing City of Life there at a beautiful church and uh, speaking at an amazing conference. And while I was there, I just, I, I just kept thanking God for this house and thanking God for how he's using us all over the world. He's using us right now. If you're watching on Facebook or watching at cityoflife.live, this house is, is reaching all over the world, and we get to be a part of that. Like, we get to be a part of proclaiming the name of Jesus, of making the hope of Jesus known. But honestly, coming home, I was so thrilled because there's no place I'd rather be than right here on a Sunday, worshiping with you, standing together with you. This place is where God has called me. It's a place where God has called you. And today, that's actually what I want to dive into about what it means to be called to a church, what it means to be planted in a church. So turn with me to Philippians chapter two. Philippians two, verse one. Paul really casts a big net here. This is one of those statements that pretty much covers everyone. He says, if you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the spirit means anything to you, If you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor. Agree with each other, love each other, and be deep-spirited friends. As we continue our summer series, the title of this message is Bye, Bye, Bye. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you have brought us together today to experience the fullness of your presence, to receive joy and hope and strength, that you've planted us in this church for a reason, and I pray that today as we get into your word, that reason would become clear to us, that people would be motivated today to to move forward in their call, that you would stir us up to give more, to do more, and, and, and to offer ourselves more freely to your purpose. We're grateful for it. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So who here, perhaps as part of your job, or maybe if you can remember back to school time, has been forced to be a part of a group project in any way? Group, can, okay, I heard it, Ah. Oh, can we all agree those are the worst ever? Like they, all, all that group projects did for me was stress me out, because here's how it goes. Like there's four people in your group. Two of them are extremely type A personalities trying to make sure that this thing gets done early and that you get 105%, okay? One person doesn't want to do any work. The other person doesn't even know what the assignment is. Okay? This is how it works, right? And when I'm in group projects, I get so stressed out because I'm like, guys, we have deadlines. We set early deadlines. I need everything in by, this, by 11.59 on this night so I can put it all together. And I remember getting so stressed out. And it's like with people you don't know, you know, like people that you don't even understand, like how they think, or you're like, why are we in a group together? And at some point, the frustration just makes you say, like, I wish I could do this by myself, right? Like, I wish I could just do this assignment, take it all, and do it by myself. But life is a group project, isn't it? life is a group project. You have got to figure out how to work alongside people that are not like you. They don't think like you. They don't talk like you. They don't act like you. They operate at a different pace from you. They, thi- they, they behave differently than you. And we have to coexist. We've got to figure out how to work together. Maybe we, even within your own family, sometimes you look around and you're like, how are we a family? <laughs> because you guys are crazy. <laughs> And you have to figure out how to do this together. Because no matter how frustrated you get, you can't say, I'm just going to do this alone. Life cannot be lived alone. We we are made to live in community. The people sitting next to you, the people in your life, it's a group project. And so the idea that we're going to dive in today is how we figure out this group project that is church. Church is a group project. It's something that we are all doing together, moving together, operating together, going in the same direction together, and we have got to figure out, like Paul says here, how to agree with each other, how to love each other, how to be deep-spirited friends. And so there's this phrase that's near and dear to our heart. It's something we are constantly saying in our youth ministry, but it's more than just for youth. I think it's for everyone that we're called to be fully integrated, lifelong members of the church fully integrated, lifelong members of the church. And if you can grasp this idea and how it applies to your life, I believe it's really going to bless you. But before I go into that, let me just tell you how it's blessed me, what my life has become as a result of being a, a fully integrated, lifelong member of the church, planting my life here. I mean, first and foremost, I've discovered my destiny here. I remember being eight years old in a modular, right out there at a a kids' uh, service, and we were praying. And I closed my eyes, and for the first time ever, it went from just something that I, you know, my relationship with God went from just something at church, something that my parents did, to something that was real in my life. I closed my eyes and felt the presence of God for the first time, and I remember I cried for a full 24 hours, like through the night (laughs) into the next day, just crying and telling my mom, "He, it was beautiful." Like I can just remember crying and crying and crying, and that's the beginning of what I consider my personal relationship with God imagine if my family said "Uh, we don't want to go to church that night imagine if they if they said uh well we'll just stay home tonight imagine if they said oh well we don't want to send Justin to the kids classes he's crying and he doesn't want to go friends kids cry it doesn't matter your kids cry it's fine get them in the environment where their life can be transformed by the presence of Jesus they're gonna cry anyway I grew up a little bit more, and then in, in kids' church, I met my beautiful wife, and, uh, and, and my life is transformed because of this amazing woman. Imagine if I said, oh, I don't really want to go to kids' church. <laughs> like, imagine, I, can, I actually can't imagine. It's actually painful for me to imagine my life without this beautiful woman, and every good thing in my life, I know, it's good stuff. <laughs> every good thing in my life has come from God through his church. It's all from Jesus but it's come through his church. The church is the, the vessel, the conduit that God has used to bless my life. So I discovered this amazing woman and our, our life together has been so blessed as a result. I discovered my calling, my vocation. I get to wake up every morning and come to this office and just like, Monday mornings are my favorite mornings. because I'm like, yeah, I get to go back and do this thing that I love, that I'm called for. The, the friends in my life that, that God has brought, they are the kind of friends that can pick up the phone and encourage me in my darkest times. Friends that can pray with me. Friends that, that sharpen me and make me more like Jesus. And I didn't find my friends out in a club. I didn't find my friends out on the street. I found them here, planted in the house of God, people who are going in the same direction, and I'm forever grateful for it. My precious baby boy, now he's here growing up, Malachi. He's the joy of my life. And he, just this morning, he cried when we said we're going to church. And I said, okay, you can cry all the way to church. It doesn't matter because we're still going because my life is a product of planting myself in the community of faith. Your life only grows... If you plant it, your life only grows if you plant it. We have to make a decision to plant ourselves. And we live in a culture that doesn't have the patience for process. And so we wish that life was a machine, but it's more like a garden. We wish that life was a computer that when I press this button, this thing happens but it's much more like a garden. We just have to plant and water and nurture. And outside of our control, growth happens and process happens and our life builds and grows and blessing comes. You can't microwave maturity. You just have to plant and allow maturity to be a result of your planting. So often we try to cause outcomes, but you can't cause outcomes, you can only plant. And let the the spirit of God, let the community of faith be the thing that's nourishing you and developing you and building you up. You're not here to just come in these doors and go out. You're called here for a reason. You're called to church. You're called to church. You're called to church. You didn't choose church. The Bible says God sets each member in the body as it pleases him. As it pleases him. You're here because it pleases God, not even necessarily because it pleases you. In fact, most times, God will put you in a church where you get your toes stepped on every now and then because he's trying to mature you and build you up and make you more like his son Jesus. And so too often, yeah, go. let's praise God. Too often when people get uncomfortable or frustrated or upset in church, they uproot themselves because their church no longer pleases them. But your church was never meant to please you. Your planting in the church is meant to please God. And we've got to figure out how to push through difficulty, how to push through offense, how to push through bitterness, how to push through being upset at the people around you, and remain planted. Because if he's called you, it's for a purpose. And staying has been tough. I'm 31. I look great, though, but I'm 31, and there have been plenty of times in this church where it's been really difficult to show up, days I just didn't feel like being in the room, man, days where things I prayed for didn't happen, people I loved, I lost them, death and offense and relationships hurt me, life didn't look the way I wanted, medical reports and financial stress, so many things, I mean, I'm living real life just like you. So many times I just wanted to unplug. But your life only grows if you plant it. I had to make a decision. And sometimes I think this is the only correct decision I've made, that I'm just going to remain planted. I will show up. I might have tears running down my face. I might not feel it, but I'm not letting my feelings dictate my actions. I will stay planted. I believe God has called me. And if all I know is that he's called me here, then I'm holding on to that. When I can't make sense of anything else, then I'm going to hold on to what I know for sure is true. And so that's why you've seen my smiling face or my mad face or my crying face here, because I know my life is planted here. And if God's going to move, it's going to be as a result of the Process in my life. We have to be planted, fully integrated, lifelong members of the church. That means completely integrated. We're not selectively integrated, occasionally integrated, seasonally integrated. It means that our life is connected to the source here. If your level of integration at church varies based on season, then you're not integrated. I'm not talking about your schedule, I'm talking about your attitude. Certainly, there are seasons in life where your schedule has to adjust, but just because your schedule changes doesn't mean your attitude changes. Your heart is fully connected, fully integrated. Integration means a person has come into equal participation with the other parts of the larger body. Equal participation with the the other parts of the body. It means that your personal life is connected to this family. Yes, you have school, yes, you have work, yes, you have craziness of life, but integrated means that I am equally participating with everyone there. Church is not something to come watch. If you watch church, you don't understand church. This is not a spectator sport. There are plenty of other places in Orlando that you can go watch something. Go, go pay a great price and go see a good show. That's not what church is. This is not a free show. This is not a performance. This is not an act. This is not a presentation. It's not a, just a meeting. It's not just a, 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 a TED Talk. Church is a place where you come and equally participate, that your life is integrated. You don't just go watch church. You are church. You come here with the attitude that I am connected to this source. When you see Pastor Jeff up here preaching his heart out with all of his passion, it's not something that you just watch. You should be responding with passion, living with passion, serving with passion. There should not be a few superstars at church. I thank God that there are people who give so much. You ever see someone at church, you're like, man, they just give so much. Thank God for people like that. But if everyone gave more, perhaps those people wouldn't have to give so much. What if this was something that was not built on the talents of a few, but on the sacrifice of many? What if this wasn't about a few people who are superstars, but what if, about it was in, what if it was about an army of people who said we are equally participating in this effort? It's not about some, it's about all. That's the purpose of church, to be integrated. And you've got to figure out how to navigate life so that your priorities don't get replaced by your obligations. Whew, that's, I'm challenged right now. Because anything that is unmanaged in your life, unmanaged time, unmanaged energy, unmanaged resource will always get taken by the noisiest things in your life. So you have got to manage your time and your energy and your resource and say, no matter what, this comes first. And then this, and then this. You have got to prioritize your life. Otherwise, your obligations will dominate you. You have to make a decision that church is a priority for me and my family. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I remember when my wife and I were pregnant with, well, she was pregnant. I was just watching. Uh, and so when she was pregnant, we, we were like kind of afraid, like what's about to happen? Like, are we going to be able to do this thing called church as if no one has ever had a kid in church? Like, how are we going to serve? What are we going to do? How's our life going to change? We're not going to be sleeping anymore. You know, like we were so afraid. And we have such beautiful examples in our pastors and also Pastor Anthony and Pastor Marty. They just constantly encouraged us like, Hey, you're inviting this kid into your life. Okay, this kid is not going to run the show. You, you are inviting him into your life. And so we made a decision. All right, Malachi, you're with us. Our family goes to church. We love church. We devote ourselves. We're going to be there every time the doors are open. You can kick, you can scream, you can cry, but you're still doing it because you love this. We had to make a decision that this is our priority. Because if we didn't, I know what would have happened. We would have said, oh, weekends are our only chance to recover. So we're just going to live stream. Love you guys. Glad you're watching. <laughs> There's no problem with live streaming. But when your attitude disconnects, that's the problem. When your attitude disconnects. And I know that could have easily happened with my wife and I. Like, oh, well, let's just take this season. You know how dangerous it would be to uproot a plant for a whole season? That plant needs all four seasons. It needs the winter. It needs the summer. It needs the spring. And for us to uproot could have changed the trajectory of our life. I've been at this for a long time now, friends. And as a pastor, I've never seen someone tell me, Pastor, I need to take a break from everything. I've never seen someone say that and be better for it. Uprooting will never help you. It will only hurt you. Now, sure, if you're going through something, let's go through it together. Let's figure out what has to adjust. But a full uproot will never benefit you because it, removed, it, it disconnects you from the nourishment and the source that God has called you to. Because remember, he's planted you in the church. He's called you to the church. And everything he's trying to do gets sent here. It moves here. Yes, your personal life with Jesus is essential. You better be hearing from God on Monday mornings and Tuesday mornings. You better be worshiping on your own. But coming together here in this place, he has got a corporate destiny that is intimately connected to your personal destiny. Where we go, you're going. You're a part of this. And so you have to be integrated, fully connected. A lifelong member. Such a scary word in culture today. Lifelong. People don't want lifelong commitments for anything. We want to be month to month on everything. (laughs) Because I might change my mind next month. I mean, even down to marriage. People are like, oh, we don't want to get married. We're just going to be together. Because I might change my mind next month. Lifelong commitments bring character out of us. We have to be the kind of people that say, I'm planted here. I'm not going anywhere. My bags are unpacked. When I like it, when I don't, I'm here. You can count on seeing me. I believe people are called to churches. If you were raised in a church, chances are you're called to that church. Now, I know that there are seasons of transition that God leads, but if you are going to go from one church to the other, let me describe what this process will look like. It will be grace-filled, led by God. It It will have no bitterness, offense, anger, or unforgiveness involved in the transition, and the transition will also involve your pastors. It's not just something like, we out. It's not how it works. There should be graciousness in transition because in the rare times that you do have to transplant a plant, do you realize how delicate that process is? It has to be grace-filled and delicate and covered with grace because you don't want to damage the roots. You don't want to damage the fruit. You don't want to damage the life of the plant. So when you transplant, it requires a whole lot of grace and a whole lot of leadership of the Holy Spirit. And I'm grateful that God can lead you through that process. We have a lot of people in our church who have transitioned here from other ministries, other states, other places. But it's been a transition that was filled with grace and led by God. Now the alternative is, I got mad so I left. If you've been in church long enough, you probably said this phrase. Hey, where did so-and-so go? Yo, what happened to the, where, hey, remember that couple? Where where are they? And so often church just becomes this cycle of bye-bye-bye. Like in and out and in and out. People uprooting themselves before they even had the chance to grow. Unforgiveness and bitterness and anger are never reasons to uproot yourself from the place God has called you. It's the same reason that that we've got to stay committed to our spouses and our family. Just because you get mad doesn't mean you can leave. It's not how this works. Just because you get offended, just because you don't like something that happened doesn't mean you can leave. It's so dangerous to uproot yourself when God's trying to grow you up into the image and likeness of his son. A lifelong member says, I'm here and I'm not going anywhere. And a lot of people don't realize that you have a purpose here. Whether you're here for the first time or you've been coming here for decades, you're here by the leadership of God. You belong here. He's trying to develop you here. It's like this, like if I want to send you a package, let's say I wanna wanna put something up in a box, this is for you, I've designed it for you, it's a gift for you, it's gonna bless you, it's something you've been waiting for. I'm gonna send it to your address because that's where you should be. Like that's where you belong. (laughs) I'm expecting you to be where you should be so I'm gonna send what I have for you to the place you should be. Now if you all of a sudden leave your house and say I'm never going back there, The thing that I had sent to bless you, the thing you've been waiting for, the thing you've been looking for, would be sitting right there where you belong. And I think that so many people, it's that exact scenario. God is speaking. He's got the words for you, the direction for you, the encouragement for you. And it's sitting at your address, City of Life Church. But you made a decision to up and out and unplug yourself. And you think, you think God isn't sending me what I need. Why is he not speaking? Why is he not talking? Everything you need was sent right to the place you were supposed to be. You should stay where you belong and receive what he has for you this is your residence it's your home it's where you belong and god's going to send everything you need to the place you belong and and you you have a responsibility to dig in to what god is doing here Ooh, i'm gonna call something out this is this is church stuff right here well i just wasn't getting fed let's talk about being fed my son joy of my life For the first year of his life, it was my responsibility to feed him, because he couldn't do it. So I did everything. I did that I did all that stuff. But now at this point in his life, my only job is to place in front of him what he needs, and I leave it up to him, because he's a big boy now, because if you're going to talk back to me like that, you ain't getting fed, you're going to have to feed yourself. I give him the tools, I give him the nourishment, I give him the space to eat, I give him the time to eat, and now I say, Malachi, eat your food. Oh, but I don't like this. Doesn't matter, eat your food. I want something else, doesn't matter, eat your food. It is not your your church's responsibility to spoon feed you. If you're not getting fed, it's because you're not eating. You have a responsibility to devour what God has put in front of you. Oh, but I don't like this. It doesn't matter. It's what he's put in front of you. Oh, but I wish pastor would preach on a different verse. Oh, so you think that this verse can't bless your life? I wish I had something else. Oh, you think this message on like financial discipline is, isn't going to bless you? Like, oh, I wish there was a message that made me more excited. doesn't matter. You need to have vegetables sometimes. <laughs> it can't all be chips and candy. It can't all be things that feel good. Sometimes you've got to eat something that's going to make you better and cause you to grow. And if you feel like you're not getting fed, you need to lean in. This is deep advice from my life. In the times that I have had the most difficulty and everything in me wants to pull back, you have to make a decision to lean in. I'm gonna go harder. I'm gonna give more because I've got to figure this thing out. I have to break through this because if I don't, it's gonna push me and push me, and I'm gonna end up at the sidelines, and I can't afford that. So I've got to lean in. Maybe you come to church and you just listen and listen and listen, and you feel like you're shriveling up inside. Get involved here. Start being a part of what happens here. Join the team here. It's more, church is more than just listening to sermons and watching people sing. What could it look like for you to be a part of this ministry? You laying hands on the sick and they're being healed. You being a part of teams and small groups and getting involved, if you feel like you're not getting fed, my advice to you would be eat, dig in. Don't wait for something to just come your way and and nourish you. If you feel hungry, eat, dig in, devour, lean into what God is doing rather than waiting for something to happen. Get involved. Come tonight at five o'clock to this blink rally. You're like, well, this is an encouraging message. It has a very strategic end. My point is that you would arrive here tonight at five o'clock ready to lean in. I'm I'm exposing my cards. There's my play. That's my hope. Because volunteering is not something I want from you. It's something we want for you. It will bless your life and transform your life. It It will change who you are. We want you to be a part of this to benefit you, to bless your life. Because being a part of this church is your calling. It's your destiny. It's what you're made for. And sitting on the sidelines just watching... That's gonna leave you so frustrated and so empty. We want you to be a part of this, a fully integrated, lifelong member. So let's look at what Paul continues to say. He says, so, okay, I want you to say yes, if one of these, like a real churchy yes, okay? If one of these applies to you. He says, if you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart if you care, that's what he says. <laughs> Do me a favor. So that's, all, that's everyone. We've all agreed this is us. If any of that means anything to you, agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. The Bible says if anything that God has done matters to you at all, then your response should be to plant your life in the community of faith and to love each other. We get so dramatic, don't we? We're like, God, you're so good. How could I ever thank you? How could I ever repay you? Do you know the answer to that? Love the person next to you. If Jesus has really changed your life, love someone next to you. We can't embrace God. We can't reach God, but we can embrace the person next to us. We can reach the person next to us. And First John actually says, no one has seen God, but when we love one another, his love is made complete in us. God is invisible, but when we we love one another, he becomes visible in the natural world because people loving each other with the love of God brings it right here into the natural realm. Love one another. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Let's talk about what that means in the context of church. Agree with each other. Hello. Agree with each other? Is that even possible in 2019? Because everyone's so drunk on their own opinion, man. Man. You can't even post anything. It's like, going out to get pizza with my family. Do you know what cheese does to your body? It's like, come on, man. So excited for this new movie. The original was better. The animals are too realistic. It's like, Come on, man. Like, why do we get so divisive over everything? It's like, the, it's like the, the, just the way our culture operates now. I have to disagree with everything everyone says, and everyone has to hear my opinion, and if you don't like it, unfriend me. <laughs> the church has to learn to agree with each other. You don't always have to have an opinion. You don't always have to have something to say being a fully integrated lifelong member of the church means I, instead of me trying to make my opinion known my objective is to find common ground with you we're going to figure we're going to find something we can stand on together because Jesus is what unites us and he is more uni- his power to unify is greater than the power of anything else to divide so my brother and sister in Christ we're going to stay together I don't agree with you on your fashion choices, I don't agree with you on your dietary choices, I don't agree with you on your politics, I don't agree with pretty much anything that you are as a person, but we have found Jesus together and that unites us more than anything else. We have to agree with each other, regardless of race or age or status. It's what I love about City of Life is that we can have like a 65 year old CEO sitting next to a 16 year old and they can both agree together. Respect each other. You're probably sitting next to someone who doesn't really look like you, or come from the same story as you, or the same status as you. And that's what church is all about. I remember one time we had a guy come in here and say, what is this place? (laughs) It's not usually what people say walking in on a Sunday morning. You kinda know what you're getting into when you drive up to church. He said, what is this place? And one of our our greeters said, sir, uh, this is City of Life Church. He said, whatever this is, I wanna be a part of this. They said, okay, awesome. What were you expecting? Like, what, what did you think this is? He said, I had no idea what this is, but I've lived in St. Cloud for a long time. And every time I drive by here, I see black people and white people and brown people all smiling together and laughing together. I don't know what you figured out, but I want to be a part of that. <laughs> Our unity... Sends a message to the world. Our unity sends a message to the world that the love we have found is greater than our differences. And you know what? I actually get excited when I see how divided culture is getting because it gives us an opportunity. If you ever been to a jeweler, like if you're going to look to buy a diamond, the jeweler will always take out this black velvet square and place the diamond there so you can really appreciate the beauty of that jewel. The darker the background, the brighter the beauty. And when I see culture getting more and more divided, I just say, oh God, would you let your church shine bright on this backdrop? Let the unity of our church be a message to the world that this is the place where true love can be found. (laughs) Agree with each other. Agree with each other. Then it says, love each other. Really loving one another. Pastor Gary said it this way one time. If we would all just prefer one another, everyone would get preferential treatment. Like if we would just come in here wanting to treat someone else special, then everyone would be treated special. He actually said it this way, that like if we open a door and we're all trying to walk, it would be, no, you go first, no, you go first. We'd never end up going through the door because it's just, no, you please, no, you please, no, you please. But everyone gets treated with dignity and respect if we love each other. The problem is when we come in wanting to be served, We think, oh, okay, I'm getting ready for church. Everyone's going to like my outfit. Those greeters are going to say hi to me. Those hosts are going to seat me in my seat where I want them to sit me. They're going to sing my song in worship because I've been waiting for it. Let it rain is my song. They're going to sing my song for me. The pastor better preach a message to me. And we approach church wanting to be served. Come here ready to give of yourself, to love one another, to prefer one another. If someone wants your seat, yeah, take it. It was never mine to begin with. If there's something I can do, you get mad at who you're sitting next to and you don't realize you were ordained to sit there today. They might be in the worst day of their life and when we say turn to the person next to you, you are the representation of Jesus to that person in that moment. You get the chance to minister. Love each other. Give give of yourself. You should come here on Sundays not expecting to get, but expectant to give. Ready to give of yourself. This is a group project. We can't let one person do all the work. We've got to shoulder this burden together. And then finally, be deep-spirited friends. If you have deeper connections outside of your church than you do inside, something's wrong. You're like, yeah, but that's my boys. Why are you closer with your boys than with your brothers? Yeah, but, you know, like, we grew up together. We've spent so much time together. Quantity of time doesn't replace quality of relationship. Just because you've had 10 years together doesn't mean anything. 10 years stuck in the same place is not beneficial to your life. You need friendships that are moving you forward to the purposes of Jesus. We think that the best friendships are the ones that make us laugh. But the best friendships are the ones that sharpen us to make us more like Jesus. And usually, the friendships that are good for us are not the most flashy. Because right now it's all like Instagram, like, look, we're friends. I'm friends with this cool person and everyone likes this person, so now you gotta like me because I'm friends with him. I'm likable, I'm cool, I have these friends, everyone. We're trying to impress people that don't like us by having friendships with people who can't help us just so we can feel likable to a room of people. We need authentic, deep-spirited friends who we could care less what people think about this friendship because it's making us more like Jesus. I don't care how many likes on Insta I get. This person is making me more like Jesus, praying with me when I need it. And you're like, Pastor, I don't know where to find friends like that. Right here today, right now, in this room, is where you will find them. You're like, yeah, but we don't get along so well. Figure it out. We don't have the same background. Figure it out. You don't have the same background, but you have the same future. We're going to be in heaven together, friends. we got to figure this out now. Be deep-spirited, friends. Check your circle. See, church is all these rows, but eventually it becomes circles of community, circles of relationship. You've got to check your circle and ask, who have I allowed to have those four or five most important seats at the table of my life? Because whoever is at that table is who you will become. You become the people you surround yourself with. And if your circle isn't right, you need to make some changes. You're like, oh, but I don't wanna be mean. I don't wanna be rude. You don't have to be mean, you don't have to be rude, but you have to be responsible for your life. And if there's someone that you really care about and you wanna remain friends with them, here's how I've approached it. Hey, I'm diving into Jesus, I'm going after him. And this is what I've said many times, and you know where to find me. If you wanna come along on this journey, you know exactly where to find me. I'm the easiest person in all of Kissimmee St. Cloud to find. I'll be right here every time the doors are open. And if you want friendship with me, then let's go. But I'm going after Jesus first and foremost. And anyone who's gonna be in my life is gonna be someone who's chasing just as hard. So you don't, have to, you don't have to cut people off, but you have to keep moving forward. And if they come and, or don't come, that's up to them, but you're not responsible for them, you're responsible for you. You have to say, I'm going this way. Paul goes on in verse three, he says, don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourself long enough to lend a helping hand. church is an antidote to pride because by being a part of a church I admit I am a small part of a big picture church makes you have to say it's not about me it's about us if it was up to me I'd be in charge all the time. I'd have the mic all the time. I would be in the middle of everything all the time. Everything would go my way. It would look the way I wanted. Everyone would think the way I think. Everyone would act the way I act. Like if I had my way, this would be a church unto Justin. But that's how it would be if it was your way too. But church breaks the pride in us by making us swallow a tough pill that you're not all that great you're a small part of a big picture. And in fact, God will surround you with people who don't look like you or talk like you or think like you or act like you so you can learn to love something other than you. If it was all carbon copies of you, you would just end up loving yourself. But by loving people who are different than you, you have to embrace selflessness and humility. Forget yourself long enough to lend a helping hand. Church should not be about you trying to get to the top. It should be about you trying to lift the name of Jesus. There's times I have the mic, but there's times where I'm just listening, times I'm just receiving, and I have to have an attitude of an open heart. Like Pastor Franco, my God, what an exhortation today. What a word, so encouraging, so challenging. I have to posture myself to be able to receive, because God's speaking to me through this person. Also this person, I've known him since he was 16. I've smack-talked him in video games. He's really good at them, so I just have to smack-talk because it makes me feel good about myself like we've, we've just had normal life together, but if I don't learn how to humble myself and receive from someone who's different from me, who acts different from me, who thinks different from me, then I am incapable of growing. Church means I am humbling myself and whatever God wants to do, I'm open to receive. Whether it's my pastor or a leader or a small group leader or someone that's going to speak into my life, I'm humbling myself. Forget yourself long enough to lend a helping hand. That's what the heart of It is to serve at a church, that it's not about me. I just wanna help someone else. When you've totally forgotten about yourself, that's when you find true joy. Ask our dream team. Dream team, I love you. (laughs) This team is amazing. And I'll tell you, like after an Easter weekend where we've had like 47 events in the same two days, (laughs) At the end of it all, when we've only lived on like mini bags of Doritos for the whole weekend, at the end of it all, we're sunburnt and sweaty and the smiles are bigger than any other time because we, we got to do that together. We get to be a part of it. And when you forget how important you are and start thinking of how you can help someone else, that's when you find true joy. There is nothing more gratifying than your life being used for the glory of God. So forget yourself long enough to do that. So many people come to church looking fresh, and I love it. This church is swaggy. You all look good. But I think this message, it's time for some people to say, you know what? I'm going to go get myself one of them black and white Dream Team shirts that says, how may I serve you? That's my new church fit. I'm going to church ready to serve. I'm going to church forgetting myself and ready to serve someone else. Lending a helping hand. Being able to say, I'm a part of that. I learned that phrase a long time ago, and I use it all the time. I'm a part of that. I learned that phrase at Blink a long time ago. I was 12 years old, and I was a stagehand. Stagehands, I was standing right over there just behind that curtain, I had one job in Blink, move a couch on stage. (sighs) Every night, moving this heavy, heavy couch, so heavy. And I'm my husky little 12-year-old self, okay? My belly's in the way when I bend over like, (laughs) There's nails sticking out of the bottom of the couch and so every day I'm afraid that I'm gonna like crucify myself on this couch. <laughs> And i just pick it up, put it out. That was my one job for like 16 performances. Move the couch out, move the couch back. Move the couch out, move the couch back. But I had to learn how to say I'm a part of this. I remember standing there breaking the rules and peeking out of the curtain when Pastor Jeff would be up here in the spotlight with the microphone calling people to accept Jesus. And I'd see hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people, thousands of people accepting Jesus. And I remember standing there saying, I'm a part of that. I'm a part of that. I don't have a mic. I'm not in the spotlight. I'm moving one couch over and over but I'm a part of that I'm a part of this movement It doesn't matter what position you serve in. By serving, you are included in the great opportunity to proclaim the name of Jesus. And I know that's why our dream team is what it is. I know that's why right now someone is caring for your child next door and your kid is screaming and they're snotting, but there's a dream team member that's saying, I'm a part of the revolution. I'm a part of the hope of Jesus being known. I'm a part of making making sure this child knows they are loved and cherished. I'm a part of that. It's not all glamorous, friends. It's not all flashing lights. It's not all fun, it's not all Instagram worthy, but this is the kind of stuff that God honors. When we say, use me in whatever capacity, and when we, when we reach heaven, God will honor those who have given their life in obedience to the cause of Jesus. We get to be a part of this, planting ourselves here. So tonight at five, our volunteer rally is the beginning of these three months of sprinting toward one goal, which is proclaiming the hope of Jesus to our city. We want you to be a part of it. Change your plans. Come here tonight and plant yourself. Figure it out. You're like, my schedule's crazy. Let your priorities dictate your life, not your obligations. Figure it out because I'm telling you what's about to happen will transform your life if you are a part of it. I'll end with this. Psalm 92:13 says that those who are planted in the house of God will flourish. They will bear fruit in old age. They'll be fresh and flourishing to declare that God is good. When you plant yourself in the house of God, your life flourishes. I am a living testimony of it. And I'm, I'm only like, not even deep into my journey. This is what God has done in my life in just a matter of a few years of saying yes. Imagine what's gonna happen decades and decades and decades into obedience. Imagine what your life will look like by making a decision to plant yourself. I believe today God is calling people in this room to go from watching to participating, from observing to ministering, to get out of the pew and into the center of the purpose of this church. And when God calls we have a response to make. It doesn't matter how much Someone calls me on this phone, I could look at it and say, ah, oh, they're calling me. Look at their name, that's so nice. They're thinking of me, that's so kind. Wow, I feel so affirmed. They're calling and calling and calling. The call is there, but you have a responsibility to respond. You have a responsibility to answer the call and, and actually engage in what the caller has intended to speak to you about. Your phone vibrating is no good until you answer it. And today God is calling through this this crazy Dominican standing on this stage. He's calling, he's calling, he's calling, but you have to answer. You have to say, I'm ready for the inconvenience of ministry. I'm ready for the uncomfortableness that is ahead. I'm ready for the energy and the blood and the sweat and the tears. But if you call, I'll answer because I belong in this family. I am an integrated member of this church. So answer the call today, and I believe in just a few weeks when this altar is filled with people that you and I are going to look at each other tears in eyes saying, I'm a part of that. I'm a part of that. This is what you're made for. This concludes the teaching.